All right. Well, let's. I want you to turn your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one. I'm excited about beginning a series with you today entitled "The Spirit of Christmas." The Spirit of Christmas. Let me tell you something. Uh, what I what I've discovered, looking through and reading again, praying again through the gospel accounts of the birth of Jesus, is that the spirit of Christmas is not. Uh, just being kind or being generous or being happy and all those things are good. But when you, when you back up and, and, and look again, we're going to, I'll take you through a little journey here biblically. So keep your Bibles open and your, uh, uh as I began today and, and devices on because, uh, the, the clear emphasis as you look at the birth of Christ is the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is stamped on every single thing that occurred. It's amazing. So I want to tell you, the spirit of Christmas is the Holy Spirit. The spirit of Christmas is, is the spirit of God interacting with man. We're, we're going to see something in a moment uh, about God's timing. Let me, let me just whet your appetite for a minute. When, when you see God's timing come to play, the Bible says that Jesus was born in the fullness of time. Someone say, at just the right moment. Can I tell you right now, God's setting up your next right moment right now. You're going to be encouraged. So when God's timing is right, angels are sent, miracles happen, the Holy Spirit's released. I want you to get this. When God's timing happens, it is this as if the supernatural waves over the natural and it, and it just can't stand in the way. It's like a tsunami of the presence of God when God's timing comes into place. It's like heaven breathes on earth. So I want you to just kind of get that settled in. What's the spirit of Christmas? Who is the spirit of Christmas? It's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a moment where we witness the timing of God, where prophecies and promises meet together, where the natural is overwhelmed by the supernatural. Virgin has a baby. Barren women can see. Angels come and talk. The Holy Spirit comes on people. It's God's timing. And the spirit of Christmas is not a force, it's a person, it's the Holy Spirit. How many of you say, Pastor, I want the Spirit of God to breathe on me this year, huh? I want the breath of heaven on me, my family, my life. Well, while you kind of meditate on that for a moment, let, let's, let's hear this breath of heaven moment and, and, and think about the spirit of Christmas as we just get ready. Let's settle in with this. i 
you know, as we turn in our Bibles, why don't you go to Luke chapter 1 and verse 1. I'm thankful heaven breathed on earth 2,000 years ago, aren't you? I'm thankful that God looked at us and really said, you know, enough's enough. They need a Savior. They need something that only God can do. They need a miracle. They need hope. They need help. God loved us enough to send us His Son, Jesus. So I want us to look at this this birth of Jesus. This What is the Spirit of Christmas? Again, who is the Spirit of Christmas? The Holy Spirit. It's God intervening in our lives. It encourages me when I look at this account. And I don't just read it like some fairy tale or read it about some Jewish myth, but reality. This really happened. This is accurate information. God intervened in the lives of normal people like you and like me and and did things that were so supernatural that it changed the world. Let's look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 1 because I love this. Uh, I want to read these four verses to begin. Now, follow me. I'm going to look at a lot of Scripture here, particularly in Luke 1. And I want to build a case for you. I want to help you with some things. So Luke 1, verse 1. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fully or fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Lord. So Luke is a physician that accompanied Paul on his missionary journeys and recorded that, the book of Acts. He was the vessel that God chose to do that. Here God has chosen him uh, to very, uh, very diligently and expertly and accurately to research, to talk to the eyewitnesses, to, to gather information while it was true and accurate and fresh. The Holy Spirit inspired him. And brought this to us. So we this this is a very reputable, believable account. I want you to get this. And, and his motive, verse 3. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you. Most excellent Theophilus. So evidently, his initial inspiration was to gather all this information and, and send it to someone named Theophilus. The Holy Spirit inspired His work and captured this uh, for us for Scripture. Now look at verse 4. I love this. Why did He send it? So that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. An eyewitness, a very educated and skilled man, a man of detail, a man uh, that, was, that was concerned about preserving the birth of Christ, the events of his life, exactly as they happen in real time. So we have the Gospel of Luke. It's amazing. The other, Matthew, Mark, and John, were disciples. Here's Luke, a physician, who watched this play out from his perspective as a believer and recorded it for us as the Holy Spirit anointed him. So as, as he writes this account for us, it's extremely accurate and encouraging. And we're, we're wanting to see the work of the Holy Spirit as we see the birth of Christ. Now, I'll come back to some other verses in a moment, but let's fast forward to verse number 26. This is where the account of the birth of Christ comes in. It begins here. I want you to notice verse 26, Luke 1. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. To a young virgin named Mary. In the sixth month of what? Have you ever thought about that? Was it the sixth month on the calendar? Was it June? No, that's not what he's talking about. What, what sixth month? Well, let me, let me update you for a moment here, okay? 
So somewhere between Luke 1, 1 through 4 and Luke 1, 26, something else took place. It was the conception and the birth of John the Baptist. Now, what do we read? There, there was a couple, Zechariah, the husband, Elizabeth, the wife. Pre, he was a priest. They were both from the Aaronic tribe or, or, of, the, of the priesthood, the tribe of Levi, the, the house of Aaron. And so uh, it says that Elizabeth and Zechariah were well on in age and had never been able to have a child. So uh, one time while Zechariah was serving in the temple, the Bible says the lot was cast and he was the one who to go in and light incense in the holy place right before the curtain that goes into the Holy of Holies. Now, when we understand how the priesthood operated, these priests only served two weeks a year in the temple. They would come and stay there for a week and serve and do their duties. But there was only one of these on that week who the lot would be cast, who had the privilege of going into the holy place to burn the incense and the curtain before you go into the Holy of Holies. Now, we find from Jewish history that often a priest would live his entire life and never get that opportunity to go in and burn that incense. It was a sacred privilege. It would happen by casting of lot. And if it ever happened once, you never got to do it again. So here's Zechariah, on up in age, who had never had the privilege of going in and lighting the incense in the holy place in the temple. And at this particular moment, I want you to begin to see the timing of God. Here's a man who had served his life and never had the privilege. Here's a couple who had never had a child. And Zechariah goes in and he's just excited and honored and humbled and he's in the holy place. He's never been in there and, and, and he's there before the curtain and just on the other side is the holy of holies, the ark of the covenant, the glory of God, the Shekinah cloud of God's glory is glowing there and, and, and the ark of the covenant is just feet from him and he's standing there. It's the high moment of his life and an angel walks up to him. And the Bible says, appropriately, he was afraid. Now, how many of you have said, I'd like to see an angel? And honestly, if one walked up to you tonight, it'd scare the ears off of you. Now, come on, tell the truth. Isn't that the funniest thing? Have you ever thought about it? Oh, Lord, uh, if I could just see an angel. You know, I have people tell me they've seen angels, and I believe it. But some of them, I'm not sure, because they acted like they saw their next-door neighbor. I think if you really saw an angel... It's going to make an impact on your life. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, Zechariah is at the greatest moment of his life, and he looks up at an angel standing there. He says, don't be afraid. He said, guess what, Zechariah? There's so many encouraging things. He said, God's heard your prayers for a child, and it's time. He said, oh, man. And he tells him he's going to be great. He tells him that God's going to use him, and God's going to turn the hearts of, of others back. Uh, to the Lord, and he's going to go before the Messiah. And, and Zechariah uh, didn't do the smartest thing. This is Gabriel. He's standing in the holy place. It's the greatest moment of his life. And God said, I've heard your prayers, and I'm going to answer them. And the angel says, you're going to do these great things, and his, your son's going to be great. And he's not to ever drink wine. And, you know, he, he's, this, this guy is going to be amazing. And Zechariah pulls a bonehead move right in the middle. Isn't it amazing that God uses people like you and me to do great things? He says, so look, I'm an old man. How can I believe this? And the angel said, man, man, <laughs> you're not going to be able to talk until the boy's born. 
Because you doubted the message that God sent an angel personally to tell you about. Kind of makes me want to believe the promises of God. Anybody else want to see? So he goes out and they, they know something's going on and he's making, you know, hand signals. And they say, wow, he had a vision. He can't tell anybody. He probably goes home and writes Elizabeth a note. And they're communicating. Just as the angel said, Elizabeth conceives in her old age. And then we go to verse 26 that I read a moment ago when the Bible says in the sixth month God sent the angel Gabriel to Mary. It was Elizabeth's sixth month of carrying this child promised by God, miraculously conceived. And I told you to begin with when God's timing starts to happen. Listen to me. God's timing's worth waiting on. How many can say man to that? Listen to me. Don't give up. God said to Zechariah, God heard your prayers. Can I give you some good news today? You know that prayer you've been praying a while and you've been tempted to say, God didn't hear it. Listen to me. God has heard your prayers. I have some prayers I've prayed that have been answered really fast. How many love the really fast answers to prayer? Woo! Thank you, Jesus. I love those microwave answers. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, bang, you pray and put it in the microwave. And the Holy Spirit, I mean, you can't get out of the house. Yo, thank you, God. But I have to be honest with you. I can think of a couple of prayers, to be quite honest. I want to be, I don't want to, let me think. I'm going to do a quick ad. I know one prayer that I pray at least five days out of every seven. Four, you ready? Thirty-five years. And it hasn't been answered Yet. It may be close to 40 years. But here's the way I look at it God's not deaf. God's faithful to His Word. I've prayed 40 years too long to give up now. So I'm waiting for my day. And if He wants to scare the socks off me with an angel, bring it on. I'll get up, I'll get over it. Do you understand? Not all my prayers have been answered in the time I want them answered. Phyllis's dad, my father-in-law, grew up under an amazing pastor. Phyllis's grandfather, one of the greatest pastors I've ever met, just greatest Christian men I've ever met in my life. One of the great privileges in my life was to be around Phyllis's grandfather as a young man in the ministry and a pastor growing up. And I'd do anything to serve him. I, I, I went to that's the church I attended in Bible college. That's where I met Phyllis, and I, I would do anything for that man. And I loved him and honored him and respected him and. And uh, I remember some uh, uh, one Sunday night, I'm sitting there before church starts, and I hear, psst, psst. And I look over there, what is that noise? I called him Grandpa, too. It's Grandpa Noah. He pastored the largest Pentecostal charismatic church in the whole Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex. Man was a legend. And a great man. And he's, he's psst, psst, at me. And I'm like, and he said, come here, George, come here. And I come and said, hey, Grandpa, what is it? He says, see that couple sitting over there on the... Fifth row in that middle section. Yes, sir. He said, I know he's a preacher and I can't remember his name. I said, you want me to go introduce myself? He said, Gail, go over there and introduce yourself. So I walked over and said, hi, I'm George Sawyer. We're glad to have you here at Oak Cliff Assembly tonight. He told me his name. So I went back around and said, Grandpa, his name is John Smith and his wife's Mary. He said, thank you, George. So he goes up to start the service. I just want to welcome John and Mary Smith here tonight. And just glad they're at Oak Cliff working with us. So I was his errand boy. I did anything you wanted me to do. I'd do anything for Grandpa Noah. You know, he, he was just, he, he was that kind of guy, just, just this, this great man, this man that, that, that blessed me. And, 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 and so 
you know, you would serve. You, you would do anything that, that you could do. You would, you, you would, you would help. And, and so what happens, we, we see this, this, this thing going here. Here is, here's the six month. Here's the promise. And, 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 uh, what I was going to say, Phyllis's dad grew up around that kind of man. He was 58 years old when he got saved. Waited a long time. 58 years of prayer. For my wife, 20 years of prayer. But can I tell you something? Maybe 30. I remember the Sunday night here in Decatur, Alabama. Many years ago, we were in our first little house. We'd come to church, and uh, we'd gone home that night. And Meredith and Nicole were little. We were sitting there eating a little snack after church, and the phone rang. But this was pre-cell phone. I mean, I'm telling you. Abraham Lincoln was not the president then for you young people, but it was pre-cell phone. And they called us, and Phyllis's dad was on the phone. Her mom started, and he got on the phone, and he said, I got saved today. Gave my life to Jesus today. Man, we celebrated. We probably scared Meredith and Nicole. They were really young. We celebrated. We laughed. We cried. We high-fived. Can I tell you something? God has heard your prayers. God has heard your prayers. Don't you let go of that prayer. Take hold of it right now. Zechariah, God heard your prayer. And watch the timing with God. Now the angels come. The miracles start. But the person of the Holy Spirit, He is the Spirit of Christmas. He's the one. Watch this. I want to, I want to take you through this real quickly. I'm just laying some foundation. Let's, let's look in Luke chapter 1. We're in this chapter. Look at verse 15. Where do we begin to see the Holy Spirit introduced in this equation? Look at verse 15 as, as the angels telling Zechariah who, what John the Baptist will do. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Go to verse number 35 in chapter 1. And as, as Mary says, how in the world am I going to have a baby? Look at verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The work of the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of Christmas. Look at verse 41 in this chapter. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Mary walks in the house. I won't read the whole thing. This is called the Magnificat. Mary began to prophesy in verse 46 about what the Lord has done. The Holy Spirit came upon her. And then in verse number 64, once Zechariah, his son, is born, and uh, he can talk again. In verse 64 in Luke chapter 1, we read this. He wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loose and he began to speak praising God. He began to prophesy. And then we go to verse number 67 in this chapter. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. The Spirit of Christmas is the Holy Spirit. How many of you love God or born again and you have the Spirit of Christmas living inside of you today? All the things that God does, everything that he says, all all the timing and the work and the miracles, the Spirit of Christmas is living in you right now. That timing of God will release the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's absolutely amazing. The whole, listen, listen to this. The Holy Spirit is God's response to our impossibilities. 
When we face the impossible, the Holy Spirit is God's response to our impossible. The Holy Spirit operates above all of our limitations. How many can say amen to that? He operates above all of our limitations. He's God's response to our impossible. The Holy Spirit introduces everything. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit introduces everything God is to everything we are not. Okay? The Holy Spirit introduces everything God is to everything we are not. It is the power and presence of God that changes everything. It's when heaven breathes on us. Heaven breathes on us. Why would we not want the Holy Spirit operating in our life? Why would we want to just live a little narrow Christian life and just live on the bare bones, you know, I'm going to go to heaven by the skin of my teeth. Why not develop a relationship with God where we allow the Holy Spirit to walk and operate in our life and see God's timing and miracles begin to take place? Well, let's read this account very quickly, and I'm going to have to, uh, I'll, I'll build on this as we go through this month. Let's go to verse number 26 and just read through this, and I want to connect a couple of things for you. Let's read the account. Verse 26, in the sixth month, now we know that's the sixth month of Elizabeth's supernatural pregnancy. See, God was already working before the angel ever came to Mary. Do you know when God tells you something amazing is going to happen, he's already been working. How many are thankful for that? See, God's plan was already in motion and Mary had no idea, all right? So in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Twice we read that. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Can I stop here? I want to read some more, but just let me insert this as you're learning and, and seeing the work of the Holy Spirit here. And it, it's in your life. Let's make it personal. Do you know when he, when he told Zachariah and Elizabeth, you're going to have this supernatural child, God already named him. His name is John. See, and then, he's, then, then he tells Mary, you're going to have a son and his name will be Jesus. Do you know before you're ever born, when you're conceived in the womb of your family and your parents, God already has a name, an identity, a purpose, and a plan for you. It is unique. It is individual. Can I tell you something? If your parents failed you, if your parents didn't love you, if your parents gave you away, thank God they got you on this planet because God's purpose and His plan and His destiny for you is set before you're ever born. Can I tell you this? For Jesus and John, they were named, planned, designed, and chosen before they were conceived. Mercy, the plan and the timing of God. So let's keep reading. You're to call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. In verse uh, 32, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 34, Mary, watch this interaction now. A very understandable question. Mary says, how will this be? Since I'm a virgin. The answer Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called what? The Son of God. He'll be holy. How does it happen? The Holy Spirit comes on you. The power of the Most High overshadows you. 
Then he tells her this, verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. I love this. For nothing. Someone say nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Now I need to kind of push through this in these last few minutes. Let's look at this for a moment. We'll come back and learn some more. Mary, Mary says, how will this be? This is what you understood. She said, I'm a virgin. I'm pledged to be married. I'm engaged, but I'm not married. I can't conceive a child by myself. She said, I don't understand. How can I, I fulfill the plan of God by myself? I, I want to encourage you today. No matter what your vocation is in life, no matter what season of life you're in right now, no matter your age, I want you to listen to me. God has a plan and a purpose for you. There's a reason you're alive and on this planet today. You're not a mistake. You're not a coincidence. You're not random. You're individually named, chosen, created, and designed by God. And what you and I need to understand as we begin to serve the Lord, we should begin to get our, our faith and our arms around that. God put me here. I may have made some mistakes. I may have been impacted by others' mistakes. But I'm here for a reason. And God wants to do something in my life. And it doesn't have... Listen, not everything supernatural is sensational. Do you hear what I just said? Not everything that's supernatural is sensational. It may not be sensational to get up and go to work tomorrow. But it may be extremely supernatural because God put you where you are on time, on purpose, because that workplace needs you there. It may not be very sensational to get an ornament off a tree and go buy a gift for a child and say, what do I get? I don't know what I need to get. I guess I'll get a Lego set. I don't know what. Well, well let's, what do you want to give? Just get that Nerf gun. That's not very sensational. But it was extremely supernatural when the little boy walked to the car and God answered his prayer. Do you understand? Not everything supernatural is sensational. So we live our life. And we live our life and we serve God. And, and, and this is what God wants us to see. When you begin to realize I'm here for a reason and I have a purpose and the Holy Spirit is operating in my life, I want you to get this. There should be, there must be moments in your life where you say, oh, God, I can't do that. That's too big for me. That's, I mean, I can't do that by myself, God. Are you with me? You should have that moment. You should know the purpose of God and stare it in the face and say, that, you got the wrong guy. You, you got the wrong person. I'm reminded of Catherine Kuhlman, an amazing healing ministry in the 60s and 70s uh, here in the U.S. Stunning. Thousands and thousands of people healed. She said in her autobiography that when the Holy Spirit came to her and, and, and spoke to her and called her into this ministry, he told her, you're my, I've spoken to three men and none of them would accept this call. You're number four. <laughs> See, we should, it doesn't mean you have to preach. It doesn't mean you're reverend, pastor, apostle, bishop, prophet, you get, you, come on doesn't mean you have to stand on a platform and I'm telling you, you have a purpose in your life. Listen, when you try to raise preschoolers, that's bigger than you. Anybody with me on that? Listen, 
I, I read this week, I don't want to bring a downer in this moment. I read this week where a 10-year-old girl hung herself because of bullying. 10 years old? My God. I want to tell you, as a parent today, if you're real and you're paying attention to your kids and the world we live in, if you don't think raising kids is bigger than you are, you need to check back into reality today. If you don't think it's going to take something bigger than you to raise a godly child in an ungodly culture, and we don't want to raise a bunch of kids with a bunker mentality that means we hide them out and they're scared and intimidated. No, we're going to raise the smartest, the brightest, the biggest, the best. They're going to influence every area of society. We're not going to hide them out. We're going to raise them up and change the world. But if you think you can do that, if I think this church can do that, I'm a foolish man. Somewhere you have to walk up to the purpose of God in your life and say, how can I ever dream about doing something like that? And that's the whole plan. God planned it that way. Exactly somewhere you have to walk up to the purpose of God and say, I don't know how to do this. And God says, I've been waiting on you to get here. They tell us now that grandparents are raising as many children as parents in our culture today. Grandparents raising as many children as parents today. Now, we live in a culture that's completely shifted. I'm talking about a 2,000-year-old event that's reading our mail today. The need for the Holy Spirit operating in our life. Do you know for the first time in the history of this nation... That there are more single adults and married adults over the age of 25 in America. The culture shifted. Everything's different. But the Word of God's the same. And God's the same. Jesus is the same. And your calling is for this moment at this time. I want to tell you something. If you haven't walked up against an impossibility lately in your life, you've been asleep at the wheel. I know that's kind of, I don't have time to put any icing on it. I'm just, you know, I mean, just, you got to get it on the first round here. Okay? I mean, you're, you're asleep at the wheel. If you haven't looked at the will of God in your life and your family and your call and said, God, how, do, how am I going to do this by myself? And that's exactly when you get to hear this. You don't get to hear this, verse 35, <laughs> till you ask the question of verse 34. God, I don't know. Because this is what happens. Can I tell you, God has an answer. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Oh, thank God. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. What happened? And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Oh, thank you, God. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. How am I going to figure out this marriage that's hanging on by a thread? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. How am I going to make my business pull out of this decline and get it back on top? How am I going to save my business? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. God, what am I going to do? How am I going to make it? My spouse walked off and left me and I did everything I could. God, what am I going to do? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. God, I didn't see this season coming. Mary wasn't expecting to wake up. We, I liked that particular song version I showed you because that little girl looked like a little girl, didn't she? Because she was. Young. 
teenage virgin from a small town who had an angel walk into her life and said, Hey, I've got good news. I don't think that sounded so great to Mary. Let's get real with that. She lived in a culture where you could be stoned to death for becoming pregnant when you weren't married. And then you're going to tell everybody, oh, no, no, it's okay. God did it. Uh, I don't think so, Mary. How do you tell your parents that? How do you tell your fiancé that? Joseph didn't even believe her. In Matthew's account, we find out that the angel had to go visit Joseph and say, Joseph, I know this is a stretch. Mary told you the truth. It's God. I've said many times, it took me a while to get there, but I finally realized... You know, one of the reasons I think God chose me, he said, why, Mary? Listen to me, men. Listen to me, stepdads. Do you know one of the reasons I believe with all my heart, it took me a long time to figure this out, that God chose Mary? Because she was engaged to Joseph. You know how many men could have handled that? Not many. You ever thought about that? You know one of the unsung heroes in that whole account is Joseph. You talk about a man. You talk about a five-star man. Do you understand? You understand what it's like to be the stepfather of God? You talk about blending the family. Huh? You going to spank God? How are you going to work that one out? Forget making his mama happy. <laughs> what about his dad? I mean, you, yeah, you talk about a blended family. Woo, baby got some stuff going on there. And I'm going to tell you, God knew who to pick. You think about that. It wasn't just a Mary choice. You listen to me, men? That was a man choice, too. There are not many men can handle what that guy did. He's a real man. Had to send an angel say, Joseph, I know it's not going to be easy, pal, but she told you the truth. You think about all of his buddies at work. So, Joe, how you and Mary doing? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, going to be a daddy, Joe. And then you know what the other guys at work did, don't you? He said he was a Christian. He got her pregnant. Mr. Christian. Huh? We real now? So, Joseph. So, you and Mary, you know. So, how's that work, Joseph? Mr. Christian. Love God. Bring those scrolls in here and read them on coffee break. Yeah, you just got your girlfriend pregnant. What are you going to say now? Well, guys, it wasn't me. Oh, you still going to marry her? Yeah. Man, what's wrong with you? Well, it was God. Now, how about the boys at work believing that one? Huh? What about your... Your buddies, they're going to go down well. So maybe your moment's not as hard as you thought it was right now. <laughs> uh, maybe your story's not as hard to believe as that one was. But here's the good news. God is too big for me. He says, I know. I already know that. I planned this six months ago. Remember, Elizabeth's already carrying a baby. I had this plan going six months before I ever came and talked to you. And I'm already six months ahead of you on the other side of this thing. 
So when you bump into something that can't work, remember the spirit of Christmas, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And you may walk through a few months and years where people don't understand, but there's a day that what, listen to me, God birthed in you when no one else believed it, that will someday grow up in the Jesus you hold on to, and the hard time will be the Jesus that will deliver you and save you and vindicate you and verify you. And if you'll just keep walking with God, you don't have to prove anything to anybody. You don't have to explain anything to anybody. If God be for you, who can be against you? If the power of the Holy Spirit rests on your life, you're going to make it. It's going to come out okay. He's going to do that. And I want to end with this. Let's go to verse 37. For nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Give me a couple of minutes here because I want to, I, there are a couple of things I want to work on. I'll come back to some things, but I want to leave you with this. Nothing is impossible with God. Yeah, look at this. In the newest translation, I know you thought I read the wrong verse, but that, I, I didn't. The King James translation says, nothing is impossible with God. But as they continue to translate this, look at this. The same phrase translates this some way. I want you to get this. This is what's going to go home with you. For no word from God will ever fail. That's how you say nothing is impossible with God. One translation says it like this. No word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Did you get that? Let me read it again. No word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Do you realize what that means? It means this, that if I choose, verse 38, this blows my mind. It took me a while to get to this too. Aren't you thankful the Bible never gets old? You just keep learning and dig. It's like digging in a gold mine. I got a, look, I got a gold mine right here. And every day I go to work in it. And I dig. And every time I think I've got all the gold that dug out of this, tomorrow I dig some more gold out of this. I did not know it was in there. Everybody with me? This is a living word. I just keep digging and it keeps producing and I keep digging and it keeps producing. And I think i got gold and I get gold again when I go in there. And I was reading verse 38 and it dawned on me one day that Mary said, May it be to me as your word has said. Just leave that up there. Leave 37. May it be to me as your word has said. And the Bible said, Then the angel left her. Dear God, you realize Gabriel, the angel messenger of God, had to stand there and wait on this little girl to say yes or no to God. It wasn't a settled issue. He didn't leave. He didn't just come in and drop and say, this is what's going to happen. He said, this is what God said he'll do. She said, I don't know how. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And then he waited. Do you know that right now, God will send you a word and then God waits on you to receive that word in your life. Blows my mind. That angel stood there and waited on that little teenage girl to say, All right, I take the word. He says, All right. He goes to God. Then the miracle happens. You know what you and I can do today? Listen to me. When those moments when we say, God, life's too big for me, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, guys. But part of that process, see, is you have to say, God, there's nothing impossible for you. But the connection is what? His Word. When you're facing the impossible, listen to me, you're going to have to get some Word. You're going to have to get the Word of God. 
you're going to have to grab that word. Because what? Look, nothing is impossible with God. They didn't say, see, it's not some little cute saying. This isn't positive mental attitude rally. Listen, it didn't say nothing's impossible. There's a lot of impossible things in this life. It said nothing's impossible with God. You see the difference? So how do I get with God? Well, no word from God will ever fail. Isaiah 55, 11, it said, And so is his word that goes out from his mouth. It shall not return to him void, but will accomplish the purpose for which it has been sent. Woo. And so, watch this, is the word, have you got 5511, Isaiah 5511? Uh, we got that early today. See if that's up there, if you can find it. Put it up. For no word that comes out of his mouth, see, every word, every word, every word, every word of God, it will not return to God void. It will not, one translation says in Isaiah 5511, that word will not come back to God empty. It's like that girl, well, look, look at the, whoop, there it is. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. Look, think about this. God sends his word out. How many are going to receive the word? He sends his word out, and this word, his word is making a trip through your life. And his word is looking for you to say, I believe that word. And when you catch that word, it's like a Holy Ghost shopping cart. That left heaven empty and comes back to you full because no word that goes out from the mouth of God will return to him empty, but will accomplish what God desires and achieve the purpose for which he sent it. So today, what I want to leave you with is this. You have a purpose. You have a call. You have a reason. The Spirit of Christmas, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You're going to have to walk up to moments in life, and you may be in one, where you say, God, I can't make this one happen. He says, I've got you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, take over in that moment and nothing's impossible with God. No word from God will ever come back unfulfilled. So today, if you'll grab His word, somebody, do you have a scripture? Do you have the word? Grab the word. Hold on to the word. See, you can hold on to fear, emotion, circumstance. That word's doing what? Watch it. It will not return to be empty. So when God sends you a word, what do you need to do? Grab it. Hold on to it. Where is it going to take you? It's going to take me right back into the presence of God. And everything God said He would do, God will do. Why? Because I grabbed the word when it came around. And it's not empty. It's full of fulfillment. Nothing's impossible with God. Let's stand together. I need, just need to stop. Thank God for the Word. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? For the Word, for the Word, for the Word. I'm thankful for the Spirit of Christmas, aren't you? The Holy Spirit. Listen to me. The greater challenge you're facing in your life right now, the greater power of the Holy Spirit is going to come on you. You hear what I'm saying? Nothing's impossible. Grab that word. Hold on to that word. Declare that word. Speak that word. Talk that word. Listen, John spoke doubt and God closed his mouth. Uh, Zechariah. And Zechariah said, I don't believe in God. So, well, let's just close it. <laughs> let's close it. Listen to me. Doubt and fear will steal the word out of your mouth. Do you understand that? Stole his mouth. But when I say I'm going to believe that word, then nothing's impossible with God. Nothing's impossible with God. I, we live in a real world. Faith doesn't deny reality. It says, I'm going to declare God's bigger than this moment. I'm going to say God's greater than this moment. The spirit of Christmas, the timing of God, miracles and angels and 
God's intervention. Guys, listen to me. God's ahead of us right now. Do you know that God's already been setting up your next moment right now? When the angel came to Mary, what did he say? In the sixth month. <laughs> there was a miracle already six months in the making when Mary came in on the plan. Do you know when God comes and tells you something that's too big for you? Just go with it. Because he's already at work moving something along to do a great work in your life. Let's pray together this morning. Father, I pray for anyone here today that's dealing with something huge, big, stronger than they are, bigger than their ability to handle God. Lord, we pray for the fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit on our life. You know, guys, I know it's a little bit late and, you know, I'm about five minutes over. But I just, I've got to obey the Holy Spirit. I I have to do that. And I know it's Sunday morning and all that. I I want to ask everyone to come forward right now. Would you please just just come forward. We may not all get around this altar, but you guys look on this side. Stay on that side. This side, stay on that side, okay? You know what I mean? Let's fan out and let as many come in that can. And we'll fill in the aisles. Let's, Let's just pack in close. Yeah, kind of, kind of fill in over on these sides. Fill in back over here like this. Let me tell you why I want to do this. I'm just strongly prompted by the Holy Spirit that God wants to give you a fresh outpouring of His Spirit on your life today. And I don't want to just make that a moment and go through it according to your faith right now. Everybody understand what I'm saying? According to your faith. You may just, you can just walk up and just stand here and say, you know, hurry up, Pastor. Or you can come here and say, God, I'm facing something really big. And I need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Thank you for coming and saying, God, I want more of you today. You know what might be the greatest thing right now? Man, I just just sense the Holy Spirit. I hear His voice saying so many things right now. He's saying there's some of you standing here... You, you need a refreshing in your walk with God. I just see heavy, like, where you had joy. It's been a long time since you had any joy, spiritual joy. It's been a long time since you had a, that moment where God was so real, you shed some tears over it. Where God was so real to you that you, you hated to leave your prayer time. You understand what I'm saying? Instead of checking off your list, you, you didn't want to leave the prayer time. And I, I sense, boy, that's why some real critical things. I sense some people at real, at real crossroads in your life right now, God, that you have made progress spiritually. And for some reason, the enemy's trying to pull you back. Trying to, you know, there's like a pull, a back pull on you, a reverse pull. Or do you, you know, that's why I didn't want to call these things out. I just want us all come. It's very personal. I know it's private. You know where you are. And I sense that. That the enemy's trying to pull you back. I think you got here not because you intended to, but you've just been busy. You've been disappointed. You you haven't been praying and walking with the Lord. You probably that you've been in some company and you've had some conversations that have wrecked your faith instead of built your faith. And right now, today, listen to me. You need a divine encounter in your life. A divine encounter where the Holy Spirit comes on you, the power of the Most High overshadows you. Would you just say, God, I can't do this by myself. God, I'm a little overwhelmed right now. And you know what? God, instead of running from your problem, He said He's close to a broken and contrite spirit. God's not afraid of my struggle. He wants to walk with me in that thing. Come on, let's pray together right now. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for this wonderful church family. 
for our guests, friends that are here with us today. Oh, God, you are so for them today. You are so close to them today. God, you are saying, just come and say again, it's too big for me. It's too big for me. The moment's too big for me, God. It's too great for me. But God, I say yes to you. I take your word today. I believe nothing's impossible with you today. Lord, I'm not going to leave here without you. I'm going to leave here with you. Your word says nothing's impossible with you. With you. I will not walk out alone. I will not leave with what I came in with. I'm going to leave with more of you. Holy Spirit, I invite you now to come and settle down on us right now. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Holy Spirit, come upon us right now. Power of the Most High, overshadow us. Incubate us. Overshadow us. Renew us. Strengthen us. Encourage us. Help us. Bless us today. Breathe on us today. Heaven, breathe on us today. Lord, thank you that you're working, that you're in control, that your timing is good even when we don't get it, that you're not forgotten us, that you've not forsaken us, that like Zechariah that waited a while, you have an answer. And we're going to be there. You're worth trusting till that day comes. Lord, let your Holy Spirit rest on the men and women of God standing in this place. Our friends on Facebook Live and live stream God and television. God, rest on us. Rest on us. Rest on us. God, arrest us. Change the moment. Change the course. Give a new direction. Change the trajectory. God, we come to you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for calling us, choosing us, walking in our life today personally and individually and releasing a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We praise you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you thankful today that you had an appointment with God this morning? Aren't you thankful that we didn't just have religion? We had relationship with Him today, an encounter. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you.